thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Listen to the word this morning, and I want you to listen intently. It is so easy to get distracted. It is so easy to just sit in church and let church be church. It's so easy to just let this be another time. Most of us have been in church for years. If, you, if you're new to church, if this is your first time being here, or maybe your first time in a long time, I welcome you and I'm glad that you're here. Most of us have been in church for so long that it just is the same old, same old. And I don't want you to let that happen to you today. I don't care how deep you are in Christ, how spiritual you are. If you're the greatest Christian in the world, we all still need to hear from God today. We all need an encounter with God. Too many people know stuff about God but don't feel a connection to God. Too many people can tell you what God is about in, in, in general, but they can't tell you what God is doing in their life. And I want you to grab a hold this morning, and I want you to let God do something in your life. In Romans 13, 9, the Bible says, For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10 says, love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Love is the Main Thing. Say love. love. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us even while we were and even still are undeserving. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for loving us with an unconditional, everlasting, never-failing love. God, I pray that right now you would anoint me to speak this message. Teach us from your word, God. We recognize your book as perfect, God. We recognize it as exalted and elevated. And we ask you to speak to us now from your holy book, by your Holy Spirit. In your son Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Love is the main thing. There are so many ways to approach life, and there are so many things vying for your attention. There are so many things that want to be your number one priority. Now, we can, as decent Christians, philosophically say, God is my number one. But there's got to be some rubber meeting the road somewhere. There's got to be some proof in the pudding. There's got to be some, some reality to that. We've got to get past words because the Bible says of itself that we're not supposed to love just in words. We're supposed to love in deeds and in actions. Say action. We've got to have some action to our confession. It's not just about saying the right words. It's about your approach to life. It's about how you live. And there's so much information in the Bible that tells us about God, about how God is, who God is, the way he deals with his creation, the way he wants us to deal with him, the way he wants us to deal with people. And you can focus on different parts of Scripture. That's where denominations came in. You realize at one point there was only one Christian church? There was, there was, well, they were in different locations, but it was only one group. There were no fractured denominations. Denominations came when people got mad. Denominations came when they didn't like it anymore. Because there was a time when all the apostles were living in one geographic area, and they were all teaching the same thing. But then somebody decided, well, I like it better over here, and we like to focus on this. We like to focus on widows. And this group over here was like, well, y'all focus on y'all's widows because we like to get our praise on, and we like to focus on worship. And all these different groups decided, you know what, we're better than y'all, so we're going to start our own thing. 
and we don't like y'all anymore, so we're going to break off, and we're going to start our own thing. Denomination is a fractured nation, and there are so many different denominations out there. Listen, I'm not bad on any of them. I believe that there's no one denomination that has it all right, and I don't believe any one denomination has it all wrong. That's why we're not just a non-denominational church. We're a multi-denominational church. I see good in so many different denominations. Wherefore, one denomination might, appro- might approach their relationship with God very intellectually. This is you have your high church, liturgy. This is where you have Presbyterians and Episcopalians, Methodists. This is where you have people that, that just sit there through a whole service, and you could have the greatest preacher in the world, and you couldn't get a grunt out of them through the whole service. I mean, they just, it just feels as cold. It feels like you could just hold an icicle through the whole thing and never drip a drop, nothing melt through the whole service. Just stone, and, and really, maybe they're not stone-hearted. That's just the approach they've been taught. They were told you don't raise your hands in church unless you're ducking out, and that's just a finger. How many of y'all came from stuff like just? But there's different churches that focus on different things. Some churches, I've been in churches. I was a member of a church in Tampa for a brief period of time, and it, they were so focused on the supernatural, the preacher never preached, ever. And I went three times a week, and he never preached because every week he would say, the spirit is so high I can't preach. Let's just flow into worship. And, you know, me being a lifelong, I've been pastor, and I took my first full-time job in ministry in 1982. I've been doing this a long time, and I know if you say that once, that's probably the Holy Ghost. If you say that two times in a row, that's still probably the Holy Ghost. If you say it for several months in a row, you might be on a kick. But if I go to your church for three years and, and you ain't preached once, you just don't study. And I've had people tell me, Doc, I wasn't ready Sunday, so I just extended worship. And listen, there are churches that focus on different things. There are churches that have a social justice platform, and they don't talk about anything other than social justice. There are churches that have a community focus, and they don't talk about anything other than the community. And all these things are good, and all these things are necessary, but you only have one life to live. And I only have one life to live. And we got to make sure that we're making the main thing the main thing. We got to make sure that we're not getting sidetracked. We got to make sure that we're not missing out on the big thing. Listen, if you've only got a limited amount of time, and we do, we need to make sure that we're putting our focus in the right place. We got to make sure that we are prioritizing things the way God prioritizes things. Different denominations focus on different aspects of what God teaches through this word. But when Jesus was asked, what is the great commandment? When, when the young scribe came to Jesus having a heart to know, I want to focus my attention and my efforts on the big stuff. What's the big stuff? What's the greatest of all these commandments? Because there's so many of them. You will never keep all the commandments in this book. You need to try because God's, you're not going to get into heaven through works, but God's going to bless you through obeying him. But there's so much in this book, we're never going to be perfect in it. So this dude is like, tell me the big one. What is the big one? And Jesus said, I'll tell you the big one. The big one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He didn't ask him for part two, but Jesus is generous. And he said the second one is just like the first one, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said something very interesting. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, what? Love God and love people. Jesus said, on those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What he was saying is the law was everything that had ever been written about God, and the prophets was everything that had ever been said about God. 
So if you love God and you love people, then you are doing everything that's ever been written and everything that's ever been said about how to be right with God. And I want you to think about love today. Not mushy love, not romantic love, not homeboy love, God's love. The love that God wants us to have for him and the love that God wants us to have for each other. You see, love, anything, you can take anything and mess it up. The, the devil doesn't want to take just crazy stuff, not all the time, sometimes he does. But do you realize that the primary element of a good lie is first that it has to be believable? Right? If, if I told you that, you know, I, I got in a race this morning in my neighborhood because some kid challenged me. And, and I just, you know, was sinful, and, you know, he got me at the, at the red light, and he revved his up, and I revved mine up, and, and we took off, and we, I drove a little faster than I should have on Oakley Plantation. That might be believable, shameful. I'm an old man. I drive slow in a big vehicle. Get around me if you can. But if I told you that, it might be believable. But if I told you I was sitting at the red light, and 47 different gangbangers drove up to me, pulled a gun out on me, and said, I'm going to kill everybody in the car if you can't outrun this, this, this hot rod. Then this thing starts to get a little sketchy now. Then, and then when I tell you, and not only did I outrun them, but Jeff Gordon showed up, Dale Earnhardt rose from the dead, and he was there in his number three car, and all the NASCAR drivers showed up, and then all the motorcycle experts came, and I just outran all of them in my 8,000-pound Lincoln. Not so believable. So what am I saying? The devil is not always going to come at you with the ridiculous. We can see through that. He's going to come at you with the subtle. He's going to come at you and take truth and twist it. Say twist it. That's what the devil wants to do. When the devil, see, the Bible says that we have all these stories for our example so we can learn from them. That's why it's so important that you know the Bible. That's why it's so important that you study the Word. When the devil first approached human beings in Genesis and tried to and successfully sidetracked them, he didn't come in and say, God hates you and wants to destroy you. Adam and Eve knew better than that. He came in and said, didn't God say? And he started taking what God said and twisting it a little bit. He started taking something that was true and twisting it a little bit. The love movement in some churches today, that love is true. God wants us to love. Love is preeminent. Love is the big thing. Love is the main thing in the title of this sermon. But it's got to be God kind of love. See, there are churches that out there, they just want to let anything go. Uh, the pastor of the largest church in America stood, uh, sat on Larry King's show, and when asked about why don't you preach on sin, he said, well, Larry, people are just so beat up. And at Lakewood, we just want to preach on love and just let people know it's okay, Larry. And God loves you so much. And, and you know, if you're only drinking nine cases of beer this week, it's better than ten. <laughs> and if you're only cheating on your wife twice a year, it's better than none or one. And, and he just went on and on to say that he believes that Talking to people about doing wrong is a negative thing, and he just wants to focus on love. Listen, that's not loving. It's not loving people. It's like if we're in a movie theater, and we know that the move that we see, if me and Cedric go to a movie, and, and we see uh, you know, two old army guys, and we see the, the, the terrorist over there, and we see the bomb on him, and, and, and we see the trigger in his hand, the remote detonator in his hand. 
And, and when he's saying his prayers, Allah Akbar, and we, he start mumbling under his breath. And we're like, yo, we better dip. And we walk out and leave everybody in there. Is that loving? If we smell the smoke and know the building is on fire, and we're just like, hey, you know, I don't want to bother anybody. They look comfortable. I don't want to upset anybody. Maybe they don't want to get up and run out right now. Let's just, we'll go and leave them. They, you know, let them make, it's not loving to leave people in a bad situation. And there are too many churches masquerading under love that don't preach the old gospel story. They don't stand by the stuff. They're not teaching that hell is hot and eternity is long. They're not letting people know the building is on fire and you better get right or you're going to get left. They're not letting people know that you better come God's way or you got eternal damnation on you. Well, that just sounds so hard. I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody. Listen, I'd rather you offend me and get me out of a bad situation and leave me to stupid. Listen, I don't like being yelled at no more than the next person. But if I'm sitting there texting, walking down the street, and I'm stepping out in front of a car, scream at me. Don't just. Well, I didn't want to disturb him. He looked busy. Just let me walk. Don't. That's not love. It's not loving to just let people plunge headlong into disaster, plunge headlong into hell. But there are some churches that are so concerned in what they call love that they don't want to upset anybody. Listen, the Bible says of itself that it's, it's, it's a stumbling block. It's a rock of offense. It's a difficult truth. It's, it, it, it's going to upset people. Everything in this deal is not easy. And there is a truth that must be told. Listen to our text in, in Romans Verse 9, uh, chapter, chapter 13, verse 9. Before I read the text again, let me say this. I hope you're reading the book of Romans. It's our book of the month. Incredible book. I want you to read it. You're going to love it. God's going to speak to you. In verse 9 of chapter 13, the Bible says, For the commandments say, You must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments. What's God saying? All that. Say all that. It's a whole bunch of stuff. You, 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 these, these are the big things. These, these are some of the top ten, but it's all that. It's a whole bunch of other commandments too. But God says they're summed up in this one commandment. You can wrap it all up in a neat package by saying love your neighbor as yourself. You got to love people the way you love you. Now, some of y'all need to work on loving you, but that's a different message for a different time. If God loves you, you ought to love yourself. Quit beating yourself up and realize that if you've done horrible, you can do better. You don't have to live in the past. You can move forward. Verse 10 goes on to say, love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. What, what, what is love according to this verse? Love is something that does no wrong to others. You need to concentrate on your life on loving God and loving people. You need to concentrate your life on being what God called you to be now as i've told you this ain't some mushy anything goes love you got family members friends people you care about that that are drinking themselves sick every night drugging themselves sick constantly addicted messed up just letting them go on their own way that's not loving them now you don't condemn them you don't nag at them you you don't berate them but you got to tell them the truth paul asked some people in the new testament uh, a very uh pointed question that is still relevant today they were mad at him because he was telling them they were living wrong and so he said he, he asked him am i therefore become your enemy because i tell you the truth here's what you need to ask yourself do you want somebody to tell you the truth or do you just want somebody to let you just do you see because that's what society says 
I got to do me. I love what Chris Rock said about that. Chris Rock had a whole long bit about young people, and I just got to keep it real, and I'm just doing me. And he said, yeah, you keeping it real stupid and doing you like a fool. Listen, stop that. Stop keeping it real if it's stupid. Stop doing you if it's wrong. We don't need to do us and keep it real. We need to learn what God's best plan for our life is and get involved in that. Too many people are heading down the wrong path. Well, I just believe they got to learn for themselves. Please don't treat me like that. If you know I'm about to drive into a sinkhole because you drove into it last week, well, just let him learn. The bridge is out, and he's going over it, but, you know, he'll figure it out. That's not love. Sometimes love stings. Sometimes love hurts. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Listen, if somebody's breath is funky. Now, listen, preachers and singers are exempt from this. Okay? You can't stand up here and bring all this volume and all this talk without taking a breath and just keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going without breathing unless you come from here. You bring all that up into your throat. You got that breath on you. Now, I'm not talking about preachers after they preach and singers after they sing. I'm talking about your buddy at work, your spouse, your significant other blowing on you. If their breath is funky all the time, you know it's going to hurt their feelings if you say, baby. You look so cute. And you're so special. But could you get a tic-tac? Piece of gum? Can I buy you a toothbrush? Like, y'all know the toothbrush was invented in Arkansas. So how I know the toothbrush was invented in Arkansas? If it was invented anywhere else, they'd have called it the teeth brush. The tooth brush. Listen, brush all of them. Front, back, side, tongue, all that. If somebody you care about has dragon breath and you tell them, no matter how politely you try to put it, you tell somebody your breath stank. Or you cheese it all up with, I love you so much, and I just am so glad. I'm just, I just feel humbled that you even look my way. But your breath stinks. And it's going to sting them. It's going to hurt them. If... You tell somebody, uh, you know, you got a bat in the cave. You got a booger hanging down. You can't taste that. It's leaning on your top lip. That's going to that's gonna mess with them. But here's what the Bible says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Every time I, I, I preach this, this lean, I always have to do this. Okay. Because, uh, you know, if a brother's fly is down, if my zipper is down while I'm preaching, people can be like, I love him too much. I don't want to embarrass him. Hey, he could go a whole different way. You know, you, sometimes you got to tell the hard truth. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you tell somebody something in love, even if it hurts them to hear it, it's for their betterment. And this is what churches need to concentrate on, telling people the truth for their betterment, no matter how it hear, they hear it in their ears. This is what you need to concentrate on, raising your kids. I've had so many parents tell me, uh, well, I don't want to. And especially moms and teenage daughters. Let me help you out, mothers, with teenage daughters. Quit worrying about whether or not she likes you. She's supposed to hate you at some point. Get over that. 
She's ignorant. She don't know any better. You were there too. You hated your mom. That's payback. That's all. Mother's crying in my Pescott, you just don't know. She was my best friend. Ever since she was four years old, she's been my best. Your best friend's a four-year-old? What's that saying about you, grown-up? Okay? Well, you don't know what it's like because you're not a woman. Thank God he made me a man. Hallelujah. I ain't mad at that at all. But, but I don't want to tell her she can't hang out with the drug dealers. And I don't want to tell her she can't dress like that with all her junk hanging out everywhere. Because I just don't want her to be upset with me because I need her in my life. She about to get in Ray Ray's life if you don't correct her. She about to get your grandchild at 14 if you don't do something. She's going down to, listen, God did not call you just to be everybody's buddy, and especially your children. You need to instruct them and tell them the truth and stop worrying about what it hurt her feelings. Hey, I tell you what my mama told me. You can get glad in the same pants you got mad in, but you ain't going to treat me like that. People need to hear the truth. Of course it needs to be said in a loving way. Of course they need to know that you care about them. But love is not just letting people have bugs flying into church. Love is not, it almost went in my mouth. How would that have been? Now, that would have been a trip. Love is not, see, I just got to keep it going, y'all. People staring at me like they hate me, putting boogers out their nose, passing notes, bugs flying up in my nostrils. I just got to keep it going. Y'all ought to try this sometime. Love is not just letting people act any kind of way. But we live in a society where churches that are preaching the truth are shrinking. And churches that are patting people on the back, on their back on the way to hell are growing. We live in a society where people who stand up for right are ostracized. And people who just accept everything are glorified. Listen. I love America, and I love our president, and I pray for our president. The Bible commands us to love everybody and to pray for everybody. If you don't, if you don't love the president, listen, some, some of y'all ain't going to love nobody and ain't going to pray for no prayer. You didn't like Bush. You didn't like Clinton. You don't like Obama. You ain't going to like what you, hey, whoever wins this next one, God help America. But when President Obama gave a medal to a grown man for coming out the closet, confessing his homosexual urges, and gave him a medal of courage. Listen, it don't take courage to be with a dude. You're just weird. We're rewarding the wrong stuff. Somebody, some, some magazine, somebody just gave the Woman of the Year Award to Caitlin. Listen. Caitlin's a dude. His name is Bruce Jenner. He was on a Wheaties box. He got man parts. And then when they cut him off, he's still a man. I'm telling you what, I swear on the planet, I swear on the planet, if I was a woman and they gave some transgender, weirdo, transvestite, Bruce Jenner, Caitlin psychopath, the woman of the year award, I'll be like, you telling me no woman on the planet did anything better than to be a man dressing up like a woman? Ain't no woman deserves credit. This man didn't do nothing courageous. This man hasn't done anything but be weird. 
Well, you can't say that, Reverend. You're just a bigot. You're just, you're just narrow-minded. You're just barbaric. You're just caught in the Stone Age. You need to enlighten you. Oh, oh, so we tell the truth, and now we're the ignorant ones. And that's what America has come to. You tell the truth, and the people look at you. like You can't say anything right now that's true without worrying about who it's going to offend. Listen. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say what God calls me to say. I, I took my kids to that movie uh, last night, God's Not Dead Part 2, and somebody in that movie said, I would rather stand against the world and be right with God than stand with the world and be wrong with God. I almost threw money on the stage because that's the truth. But that's not popular in today. Well, you know, you can't talk about homos, Rev. Well, why not? Well, you know, you can't talk about alcoholics. Why not? I, I'm equal opportunity offender. I'll tell you in a minute. You, 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 you're a negative Nancy? You, 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 you a gossipy person? That, that's just as bad as being a drug addict. You, 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 you overeat, you're gluttonous? That's just as bad as being a whoremonger. Listen, I got something for all y'all. This is a big book. And I got to stand before God and give an account for the way I preached it. And we're not going to water it down and make it easy for everybody. Listen, come as you are, but get your stuff together. Come as you are, but change. Love is not what it's passing for in today's world. And I'm going to just give you one more thing on this whole love tolerance thing that I can't stand. I wish they'd give me a national platform. I'd straighten them all out. The group of people that are demanding tolerance, the group of people that are demanding inclusion, the group of people that are demanding that everybody be okay with their way are not okay with my way. They're not tolerant of me. They're not accepting of me. It's not okay for me to have an opinion. Uh, uh, then they got to call me names. The man that owns Chick-fil-A, good Christian man. Listen, I'm going to tell you, everybody claiming Jesus ain't necessarily a Christian. You own one of the largest fast food restaurants in America, and you shut it down on the busiest lunch day of the week. You probably love the Lord somewhere in there. You give all your employees off on Sunday and lose billions of dollars every year. You probably, hey, I remember, I grew up in this town. I remember when Publix was closed on Sunday. Anybody? Publix was closed on Sunday. Guess what? Old dude died. Kids said, hey, you know, we make money on Sunday. And now what? Publix open on Sunday. I've been telling my kids, count the clock. Count maybe four seconds. I might give him eight seconds. S. Truett, Kathy dies. Now announcing, new announcement. Extra, extra, read all about it. Chick-fil-A, now open on Sunday. Why? Because culture is leaning to everything away from God. This man committed to what he believes. Now, the tolerant, inclusive crowd, you need to love me. Don't, don't hate me just because my sexual orientation is different from yours. You need to love me, include me. Don't, don't disparage me. Don't judge me because we're not the same. You believe what you believe and let me believe what I believe, and let's just all be lovey-dovey and hovey-bovey. And they want to tell that lie until that's true. Kathy comes out and says, I don't believe that homosexuality is right. And they all come. They want to boycott Chick-fil-A. They want to condemn Chick-fil-A. They want the government to shut Chick-fil-A down. Why? Where's all that tolerance? Listen, don't be fooled by the tolerant crowd. They're not tolerant of anything except their own agenda. They want everybody to eat their stuff, and they can't have nothing from nobody else. So what's masquerading as love is not always love. It is the same as every other principle, practice, and doctrine in the world. What God says is real, and man can mess it up. So we got to stay with what the Lord says. God talks a lot about love. 
even in churches, though, good churches, we can get caught up focusing on other things. And we can lose that. We can, lo- we can get so busy working for God that we lose the love for God. We can go get so busy focused on our agenda that we can forget that we got to take time to love God and love people. We can get so busy doing what we feel like we've been called to do that we start missing out on the main thing. Listen to what God's Word says in 1 John chapter 4. Talking to Christians, God said, you are of God, little children. That's awesome. This is what God thinks about you. You're, in his, you're on his team. You're part of him. You are of God. And have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, see, I am not in large part an us and them dude. You know, I understand. I got offended. When, when I tried to go to a Hebrew temple in L.A. years ago, and that dude said, uh, there are churches for people like you. Well, you, well I, all of a sudden, I'm with they. All of a sudden, I'm them now? I'm you? Who are you calling you? I, I get all that. I, I, I get that God doesn't want us to be like that. But listen, in the big scheme of things, there's saved people and there's unsaved people. And there's an us that we need to understand is an us. And we need to hold on to us. We need to love us. Christian, it, it's not your doctrinal belief. It's not your pet persuasion. It's not the color of your skin, the amount in your checking account. It is not your education. It's not your religious background. The Bible says we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If you believe in Jesus and I believe in Jesus, we're family. We need to act that way. The church doesn't know how to stick together. This this is why the churches get run over. Listen, all these people preaching tolerance, let them come out with a new sitcom. Guess guess who's going to be the idiot in the room? The man. Why? Because they're going to make the homosexual look like the good-looking, smart, got it all together. And, and, and the dad who's working hard is going to be some fat, ignorant, slob, drinking beer, not, not being able to function and tie his own shoes. Why? Because they want to glorify the wrong stuff and, and, and condemn the right stuff. And nobody cares about that. It, in the movie last night, they, they talked about the only group that it, it's, it's not okay to believe what they want to believe is Christians. It's wrong to attack any group in the world, but it's okay to attack Christians. Listen, we need to learn how to love each other. We need to learn how to stick together. We need to learn how, as sad as it sounds, there is a us and there is a them in the world. And I come to prophesy to you today, it's about to get a lot worse. The divide between Christians and non-Christians is about to get a lot worse. The heat is going to get turned up. The Bible says that as we get closer to the end, there is going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of tribulation. There's going to be a great falling away from all the half-hearted fake folk, and it's going to be a great drawing together of those who are truly called, and I want to draw together. I want us to love each other the way we should. Verse 5 says, they are of the world. Who they? Unsaved folk. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears him. Verse 6 says, we are of God. Who? Us, the church, people who love the Lord. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There are people who are right, and there are people who are wrong. Listen, every road doesn't lead to heaven, and we're not all going to get there in the sweet by and by. Jesus said there are two roads. A big, a, a wide road and a narrow road. Lots of people on the wide road, few people on the narrow road. Wide road's going to the wrong place. Narrow road is going to the right place. And verse 7 says, and this is the meat, this is what I want you to get. Beloved, 
talking to Christians, people who are supposed to love each other. Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. This is a message to Christians that we need to heed heavily because the heat's about to turn up. The, the end of times is on us. We need to understand that because we claim the same God, we're family. If you say God is your father and he's my father, that makes us family. It doesn't matter what else we disagree on. Listen, you know you got some crazy people in your family, but they're still family. If you grow up good with siblings, you knew you could just you you could just dog them out. You could rank on them. Y'all could play the dozens all day long. But don't let somebody from around the way say something about your sister or it's on and popping, right? Why can't we love each other like that in the church? I don't know you like that. That's the problem. That's the problem. We're all so caught up focusing on everything else. We're not loving each other the way we should, even though God said, let us love one another. We're called to love everybody. The Bible says if you're saved, you should do good to everybody, but especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to your Christian brothers and sisters. Why? Because love is of God, not just open anything goes love, God's specific kind of love. God's just not talking about a ooey-gooey, sloppy, agape, greasy grace, let them do what they're going to do. Love, he's talking about a biblical love, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Well, how can everybody who loves know God and be born of God? Because it's talking about the type of love that God has. Verse 8 says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I've met so many people that have said, because people want, they want you to know. They want you to know, Pastor, I've served the Lord faithfully for years. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost Hallelujah, Jesus, in, in 1978. You mean as the devil. You need to baptize again. You, you quote more scripture than Carter got liver pills. You, you got more degrees in theology uh, than, than anybody you know, but you're mean as a snake. That, ain't, that don't make you Christian. Christian means Christ-like. People, didn't, people like Jesus. Now, you know, everybody didn't like him. But he had an appeal to him. Why? Because he loved people. I want you to consider this morning, are you loving the people in your life the way you should? My heart was just wrecked. I don't know why, I just emotional today. But I was in my office this morning. I pray with the deacons every Sunday morning. The men and women of our deacon families, they come in and we pray together. And I had been reading some news, and I saw that last night, Will Smith, not that Will Smith, but a football player named Will Smith who played for the New Orleans Saints was shot and killed last night, and his wife was shot too. Some crazy dude runs into the back of this man. They get out, start talking. The dude that hit, that, that wrecked into Will Smith, retired NFL player, played defensive end nine years in a row, it looked like he did everything right in his life. Won national title at Ohio State, graduated from college, played in one city his whole career, lives in that city now, giving back in his middle 30s, and last night taking his wife to dinner because some crazy man could not control himself, pulled out a gun and shot this man four times in his chest and killed him, and then wasn't done with that, shot two times at his wife and sent his wife to the hospital. And I'm just like, why does life have to be that way? This is a young man. This is a man in his mid-30s. This, this is a man. He didn't have it on his calendar yesterday. Wake up. Go to the gym. Clean up the house. Love my children. Take my wife to dinner. Get shot by a fool. 
He was not expecting that to happen. But do you know everybody who died yesterday didn't think yesterday was going to be their day? That's why I love what my mama says. You better send them flowers while they're living. That's one thing to send somebody flowers after they die. I get that. But my mom says, don't waste that on me. Love on me while I'm here. You need to love on people while they're here. You better love on the people you say you love on because Will Smith's not here today. And that, that just breaks my heart. I'm praying for the Smith family. I hope you pray. I don't know them at all until I read that story today. But that, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's brother. That's somebody's uncle. That's somebody's nephew. That's somebody's grandchild. And he was not looking to die at 35 years old trying, just trying to live. You don't know what tomorrow holds. That's why you better concentrate on the big stuff now. I'm not no negative Nancy. I'm not no doomsdayer. I'm not saying, you know, we're all going to die today, so let's just get on a mountain and wear white robes and just sing kumbaya to Jesus comes back. Listen, live your life, but make sure you're living it loving God and loving people. It's easy to say those things and believe those things and really mean those things, but it takes effort to practice those things. And we got to get to the place where we are really doing what God calls us to do, and he has called us to love each other. We talk a lot about that great commandment at Abundant Life when Jesus said, love God and love people. But if we're really going to love God and love people the way God wants us to, we need to know what God says about love. We've looked at this passage of Scripture many times in our church's history, but I want us to look again this morning at a very familiar passage regarding love. Many have called it the love chapter. I want us to look at a few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want you to see if what you call love is what God calls love. I want us to look and see if the way you're loving people is the way God says you ought to love people. Because listen, if I have my way and it differs from God's way, we cannot both be right. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. And we need to understand this. God is never wrong. All God's ways are perfect, the Scripture says. And God is always, listen, God's always right even when we don't understand it. I've been through some stuff. I know what the Bible says. I, I know all things work together for good. I, I know that we're supposed to rejoice in everything. I know we're supposed to give thanks in everything. That's what the Scripture says. I've been through some hard stuff in my life, and I'm wondering, how am I supposed to rejoice in that? Where do I give thanks in that? How, how is this helping anybody? I don't understand it. Listen, God's right even when we don't understand it. And you got to start. That's got to be your premise. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, at the end of that chapter, God said, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now he's talking about a whole bunch of stuff and how the end of time is going to come and how different things are going to fade away. But right now, in the world we live in, the three big things that we need to concentrate on are faith, hope, and love. These are the abiding things that we have to hold on to. And then he makes it simple for us in the last phrase, but the greatest of these is love. You can talk about your faith all day long. You can be a faith person. You know, I'm so tired of seeing broke people uh, talk, talking about how they can speak anything into existence. I'm so tired of seeing broke people talking about, you, I, I woke up today and my confession in, and they talk about how they, but they're still broke. If, if, if you can confess all that, if, if all that's working for you, quit being broke. I mean, you can be a faith person, and I believe in faith. I believe you ought to speak the truth, but you got to speak what God says. I, God, God told me. I had a pastor in this city tell me, and he's, he's got it in his briefcase. He still carries it around. A, a sketch drawing of his 25,000-square-foot house and his nine-car garage that God promised him. 
I'm like, man, you got to get off Hennessy. Really. I'm just saying. You know, back that down. That stuff's too strong. You, 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 you put, the, put the pipe down. Well, show me in the Bible where God promised you a nine-car garage. Listen, keep your confession inside the book. Keep your faith inside the book. You know, if God gives you stuff outside the book, thank him for it. But don't hold God hostage to the Lamborghini that you're believing him for when he never promised you a Lamborghini or a nine-car garage. You can talk about faith. You can talk about hope. But you better be abiding in love because the word says the greatest of these is what? Love. Let's see what love is. We back up to verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 13. And God says, love is. Oh, we're about to get a description. We're about to get God's description, not man's description. See, we don't, we don't need to know what man thinks. Man will mess you up. The Bible says you're a fool if you trust in a man. That's why people shouldn't be looking up at the preacher. That's why people shouldn't be hanging on the preacher's every word. They ought to be studying for themselves. The Bible says that the Bereans were, were commended because they listened to what the preacher was saying, but then they went back and checked it against Scripture. you got to know what the Word says. Can anybody say amen? The Bible is preeminent. And the Bible says that love is, here's the description, patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. Love is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast. Not five things in this one little verse. Let me talk to you about them real quick. Love is patient. I looked up all these words. See, the New Testament was primarily written in the Greek language. And so the Greek language is a little more expansive than the English language. So if you look up these words in a Greek dictionary, you might get a broader idea. So I'm, I'm going to read to you right out of the Greek dictionary what these words, specific words that were used in this text mean. To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. Hmm. You can say, oh, I'm patient. I don't mind waiting for my food when it comes. No, you just like to talk. You're boring the person across from you, but, you know, you just, I go to a restaurant and I'll be like, man, they're going to bring this food. Oh, be patient, Pastor Scott. Man, you, you're not being, you just, you just, you know, got nothing else to do. I'm on a schedule here. But it's not talking about that kind of patient. Are, are you willing to wait for how long your server takes? No, this type of patience, the patience that God is talking about, that real love is typified by, is patient in bearing the offenses and the injuries of others. There are so many people not in church today. Why? Because somebody hurt me at church. Get over that. Somebody, you, you, you keep going back to Winn-Dixie, and people roll their eyes at you too. They don't like you. They, 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 everybody in Publix didn't talk to you when you walked in. I'll never be back. He walked right by me, didn't talk to me. The manager of Publix walked right by you, didn't talk to you. You can cuss him out. This is supposed to be a church. No, this is a church. You're supposed to be not nice. What's up? Uh, y'all aren't feeling me. Love is patient in Bearing the offenses and the injuries of others. Somebody does you wrong, how are you going to deal with it? See, I've been telling you for a long time, real spirituality is not characterized by how you act. Anybody can put on a dog and pony show. Anybody can get dressed up on Sunday, come to church, say hallelujah, praise the Lord. You can learn Christianese and quote a bunch of stuff that, that don't really mean not much. It's not about how you act. Spirituality is measured by how you react. When somebody cusses you out, what are they going to get? When somebody wrongs you, how are you going to come back at them? Are you patient in enduring offense? Oh, I'm telling you what, there are people making good money right now writing books in, in churches about the spirit of offense and how so many people need to learn how to not wear their emotions on their sleeves. So many people need to understand. Listen, if you come to church for people, you're going to get disappointed and flushed out. 
But if you come to church for the Lord, it don't matter how ignorant the preacher is or the whole staff or everybody in the building. If you're just here for God, ain't nothing wrong with God, and you're going to be all right in the long run. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, they, I didn't like the way he spoke to me. Well, based on what God says about love, you're not patient. Well, how does that got to do with patience? Because he's talking specifically about how able are you to bear an offense from somebody else. Well, I just don't think it takes all that. I don't think they should do that. I don't, and people are so into themselves, so easily wounded. Listen, get over it. Get over it. And keep loving God. Or is your love a patient love? Can you deal with somebody hurting you and still be okay with it? Next thing it says is kind. That Greek word means to be considerate, helpful, and gentle. Considerate, helpful, and gentle. Love is kind. Now, that's just not like Mr. Rogers kind. That's not just like, what was the dude's name that painted on TV? Oh, let's just put a bird here. Let's give him a friend. Y'all remember that Afro-wearing white dude? What kind of white dude wears an Afro? Come on, that's something awful that to begin with. But he was so soft. He came off as kind. But that's not the kind that the Bible is talking about. It, it's, it's not that, you know, that, that type of kind. It is a helpful consideration of other people. Are you considerate of what other people need? Well, they need to be considered about what I need. Can I tell you you're not loving? Can I let you know you flunk out on love all the way around? Can I tell you there's an altar for you with your name on it and you need to repent? Well, who is you? Well, me, who is you? I'm just here to tell you the truth. Scripture goes on to say not only patient and kind, but it does not envy. That word in the Greek means a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another person's advantages, successes, or possessions. Does it bother you when somebody else gets a blessing? I can see it. I can see it in the faces. I can, I can see it in the faces of people when we have testimony on Sunday night, Wednesday night, and, and sometimes the same people raising their hand. I just got another raise. I just got promoted. I just give God thanks. Just paid off a vehicle. I just give God thanks. God is moving in my life. And I see the, the grinding of teeth from my, I'm just sick of that. Why they always, where's mine? Where's mine? When am I going to get mine? When my ship going to come in? Stop looking for ships and start loving people. I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. Love is, is not envious. Can you rejoice when somebody else succeeds? Or does it make you bitter when somebody else succeeds? I'm just so tired of my brother getting over. He ain't, no, he ain't done half I've done. He's all, listen, stop in, being envious. You can't be. God commands us to love. You can't love being envious. You can't love being negative about somebody else's advantages. you got to learn. how. Listen, you learn how to celebrate with somebody else, God might give you something to celebrate. It's not envious. It's also, the Bible says, it's not boastful. And that word boastful means to speak with excessive pride or to brag. You know, you don't have to blow your own trumpet. If you're all that, somebody's going to tell you. They're going to let everybody else know. There's, there's no reason to go around boasting about what you've done. Because if you've ever done anything good in life and you're truly saved, you know it was God that gave you the strength and the ability to do that. You know it was all God that gave you the talent. God gave you the opportunity. There's no, there's no room for boasting. The, the Scripture says if we boast in anything, we should boast in the Lord. 
you find somebody that's braggadocious, somebody who's always elevating themselves, they got a love issue. And it's not that they love themselves too much. Sometimes they don't love themselves enough, and that's why they're blowing their horn so hard. Let me keep moving. It says that love's not arrogant. This is the kind of love God is talking about. That word means having or displaying a sense of overbearing self-worth or self-importance, marked by or arising from a feeling or assumption of one's superiority toward others. If you, here's this person. Let me tell you this person in a nutshell. And, and I, I got some people like this in my family. If you got a bigger fish story for everybody's fish story, you, you're failing altogether. There's an altar with your name on it. You need to repent. If, if you are so arrogant that when somebody else starts telling about a success that they had, oh, well, let me tell you about when I was in high school. How, why is it always getting back to you? You just, oh, I caught a such and such fish. That thing was seven pounds. Oh, I caught a nine-pound fish just last week. What, where are you coming from with all this? You can't let somebody else have one moment of glory. You can't let somebody else rejoice that something good happened in their life. You got to have a bigger fish story. Listen, you get on my nerves. And I don't love you right. And I repent of that, but you need to help a brother out. Stop making it hard to love you. Let me have a big fish story. Let, let people have something. Oh, man, these folk that always got to bring it back to them. Oh, no, I did. You ought to see when I did that. Why? Shut up. I'm teaching y'all how to love. Y'all see that? This is just good stuff right here. You can't get this down the road. Listen. Verse 5 says love's not rude. We got a lot of that. We got so much of that. We just one worded it. Rude. You know, rude. There's so much of that in the world today. Why? Because people are just rude. It, it means discourteous or impolite. It means bad manners or uncouth. See, we don't talk about couth and uncouth anymore. Some folks just uncouth. That's unnecessary. That's just rude. But it's just how I am. Change. But I wasn't raised that way. Change. It's okay to change. Christianity is about change. The Bible says if you're really a Christian, that, that you're a new person, that old things pass away, all things become new. There's got to be a change going on. Listen, you might just be rude, but I can't help it. My family's rude. Well, you don't have to be that way. You need to concentrate on being loving. The Bible says, verse 5, it does not insist on its own way. It's not chiefly concerned solely with its own interests. You care about anything that anybody else is going through? Or is it just always about you? Do you care that that man got killed last night? Just trying to take his wife to dinner? That don't resonate with you? You hear these stories about baby left in a dumpster? My kids like to listen to comedians, and they were, this comedian was telling a, a joke, and it, it's funny because it's so real, you know, and, 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 and the newscaster would be like, three dead babies found in dumpster, left abandoned. Good news for egg lovers, egg prices up across the world, and they just go right like that from disaster to the next story. Why? Because they know nobody's affected by that. Two women got shot on the north side last night. man got uh, shot working at Metro PCS on Blanding Boulevard last night. People just dying every day. 
That, that, that's why I can only hear so much of this, this one person got killed over here. Let's just all get up in arms about this one. What about the hundreds of people that died last week that nobody knows their name? Because we don't care that a baby got shot yesterday in Chicago in a drive-by stray bullet kill a four-year-old. Well, you know how it is, Rev. It just, that's just how it is. It shouldn't be that way. We should be concerned about other people. The Bible says we ought to hurt for other folk. We ought to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. This is what real love is all about. Verse 5 goes on to say it's not irritable. It means not easily irritated. It's not pushed to anger quickly. And I know your upbringing shaped so much of this in your life. My upbringing shaped so much of this in my life. But if we're going to be who God called us to be, we're going to have to change. And if any of these things you don't do perfectly, and let me say, all of us don't do these things perfectly, you need to examine yourself, check yourself, and get better at it. We're talking about what God says love is, not your version of love, God's version of love. Verse 5 says it's not resentful. And, and this, this ties into some of the same Greek words that were used earlier. Anger, bitterness, easily offended. One, one other version says it thinks no evil or it keeps no record of when it's been wrong. Resentment, being resentful. Real love is not resentful. Listen, if you've ever said, I forgive him, but I ain't never going to forget. Well, that's resentment. Now, I'm not saying you got to go fishing with them. You don't have to have them over to your house ever again. You don't have to hang out with them, but you can't hold stuff against them and call yourself loving. You got to learn how to forgive people, forgive yourself, and move on. Resentment is not what God calls love. Verse 6 says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Listen, it does not rejoice. It is love. It's still talking about what love is. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. This is not my version of what's wrong or your version of what's wrong or the TV's version of what's wrong. This is God's version of what's wrong. What God says is wrong is wrong, and what God says is right is right. And here's something that this society does not understand but needs somebody to rise up and tell them. God has promised in his holy book that if you refuse to draw a line between what God calls holy and what God calls unholy, he will curse you. you got to draw a line between what's right and what's wrong. Well, who am I to say? We are nobody, but God is everybody. And if God says it's wrong, then it's wrong. Okay, rejoice at wrongdoing. You can't be excited. Listen, some, some people are so pragmatic. They don't really care about how it got there as long as, as long as it works out good for them. Don't do wrong just to get right. Don't do wrong just to get right. Don't, don't do wrong just because you think it's going to work out for you. It doesn't, real love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it does rejoice, the Bible says, in the truth. Well, what's the truth? The truth is God's word. Do you rejoice in the truth? You can't rejoice in it if you don't know it. You can't rejoice in it if you don't spend time in it. If you don't spend time in your Bible, you are failing not only in love for God, but you're failing in helping your own spirituality out. Verse 7 says, love bears all things. That Greek phrase, to bear all things, means to remain firm under a load. When things get tight, how does your love o meter go? If I had a love on meter, I could just hang it on your neck and scale you up to see where you I start down here with Seth, just move on. When I got to you, how, how is your barometer? If I, put a, if I had a bear, how, how well do you bear up when things get tight? How, how well do you deal under pressure? 
If you're, lo- if you're loving God right and you understand God is the author and finisher, if you understand all things are in the Lord's hand, you ain't going to get too freaked out under a load. But love, real love, God kind of love, doesn't just freak out because times get hard. The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small to begin with. Not only does it bear all things, verse 7 says it believes all things. This Greek phrase means it does not second-guess the truth. Okay? Um, Let me just ask. What's your first name, Lauren? She didn't want to say it. Virginia. Is that up for debate? Unfortunately not. Are you sure that's your first name? Do you stay up late at night wondering, is that really my first name? Now, you don't have to like it, but do you second-guess whether or not that's what your first name is? Of course not. Because she knows the truth, even an unpleasant truth, even a truth she wishes she could change. It is what it is, and she doesn't second-guess it. Why? Because your second-guessing the truth does not change the truth. Ethan told me about a guy on his basketball team who said, now this dude's 6'3 and a great baller. He, he, he said, this dude told him, he said, I swear on my mama, every night I pray to Jesus that he'd give me three extra inches. He wants to be 6'6 so bad. He's praying. Ask him next time y'all ball. He hurt his foot. He told me to tell you. Um, he missed you at the gym this week. But this guy prays every night to Jesus to grow three inches. Listen, if you got 6'3", you ought to be okay with that. You're already bumping your head on door frames. Me, me and the kids were eating at a, at a seafood restaurant this weekend, and we saw Lurch. This dude was about seven foot three. Typical tall dude, right? You, 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 know, you know short guys. They're always like this. Tall dudes, overly tall dudes, they're always like this. Shoulder. I don't know how to roll your shoulders forward, you know. I, I ain't never been tall, so I mean, but just walking like this everywhere. You go. This dude was scraping his head. He, they had a little tiny bump, a uh, fire smoke alarm. This dude hit his head on the smoke alarm on the ceiling because he didn't get ducked down low enough. Slumping down. Listen, this guy's six foot three praying for more height. Second guessing where he's at all the time. Do you know all that praying for more height ain't going to get him three inches? You're second guessing what God's plan for your life is. You're second guessing what you already know to be the truth. You think that's going to change anything? The Bible says you can think about it all day long. It's not going to add one inch to you. You can think and worry about it all day long. It's not going to change your situation. If you know the truth, stick with the truth. If you know what's right, stay with what's right. Don't second guess what you know to be right. Quit being so open-minded. It's not up for debate what her first name is. She don't have to like it. Her mama named her that. Case closed. It's on the birth certificate. You can't, it is what it is. is. There's no change in that. Too many people say, well, you know, I used to believe in a literal interpretation of the Scripture, but then I got enlightened. Well, I used to believe that Jesus was the only way, but then I evolved. Listen, you second-guess the truth that God taught you, and you got yourself all messed up. You better learn how to hold on to some things. You need to learn how to hold on because real love is not about second-guessing. It goes on to say that it hopes all things. And that Greek phrase s- s- signifies an optimistic expectation. There is a hope for the Christian that says, may not turn out how I want it, but I know it's going to be okay. Why? Because my hope is not in my way. My hope is in God. 
My hope is not in me getting what I want. My hope is in God. And I know that God is good. And I know that God has a plan. And if I can just stay focused on all of that, then I'll be able to say, listen, my hope remains. Some people's hope is up and down, on and off, in and out. Why? Because they're hoping for selfishness. They're hoping in the wrong things. You can't stay optimistic in a down world if your hope is in the world. Somebody's going to lose this, this presidential election, and folks are going to be all put out on blast. Listen, it ought to be a law. Listen, if your dude lost eight years ago, please take that bumper sticker. People still wearing bumper stickers from dudes that lost. They don't even know who those people are anymore. Listen, your little hope got shattered, but you couldn't take the bumper sticker off. You were hoping in the wrong stuff to begin with. Somebody's going to get their feelings hurt in this election. Somebody's going to need people spending hundreds of millions of dollars. There's something wrong with that already. Spending that much money to win a job that ain't going to pay you that much, something's wrong with that. But that's a different message for a different time. Your hope needs to be in the right thing. God will not disappoint you. You can hold on to hope if your hope is settled on Christ. Not only does it hope all things, but it endures all things. I love this Greek definition. It holds out against all odds. It endures all things. It keeps believing even in the face of adversity. One commentator said, it is the process of continuing without yielding. People get all iffy. People get all sketchy. You know what God's told you to do. You know how you ought to live. You know what God wants for your life. But problems come. Rabbi, I just can't take it. Well, you got to love deficiency. You don't love God enough. Because if you love God enough to get your mind right, you're going to be able to endure all things. Well, I've endured a lot. You don't know all that I've been through. I can't take this. Well, if your hope is on God, you can take it. If your strength comes from the Lord, you can take it. See, when we realize that we start crumbling, that's just a wake-up call from God to lean on Him. I don't have time, and I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to peek a truth that is so seldom taught that the entire majority of the church population believes the wrong thing. And you're going to get mad at me when I tell you this. Read the Bible for yourself. People in the church blow up social media, teach wrong from pulpits, and say, God won't put more on you than you can stand. Well, I know God's not going to put more on me than I can stand. I guess I can endure this because the Bible says God won't put more on me then I can stand. It never says that anywhere. It does not say God helps those who help themselves. It does not say cleanliness is next to godliness. And it does not say God will not put more on you than you can stand. It does not say that. Listen, it is God's predetermined will to put more on you than you can stand so that you will fall to your knees and cry out to him for help. Stop thinking that I can take it because God won't put more on me than I can stand. Why do you think Jesus fell to the ground repeatedly crying out just great sweat drops like blood in agony knowing that he was crushed under a load that he didn't want? Well, God won't put more on me than I can stand. No, the Bible says that, that God won't tempt you above that you're able, but will with every temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's talking about God won't tempt you with something without giving you an escape route. That's not saying God won't let you go through more hardship than you can deal with. Listen, God's going to keep piling hardship and hardship and hardship and hardship until you finally say, I need thee. 
keeps it. Well, I'm still standing, Rev, because God ain't going to put more on me than I can stand. Well, just get ready. It's coming. Another load is coming. Why? Because when you rightly love God, you can endure all things. How in the world can a human being with weakness and frailty endure everything? Because we move forward on our knees. We don't stand up and bear up and just shoulder up under everything. We cry too. We hurt too. We stumble and we fall too. And we move forward on our knees. The only way that you're going to be able to endure everything, which is what love really is, according to God, is if you get your mind right about who it is your hope is in and who it is your strength is in. Last thing, first part of verse 8 says, love never fails. One translation says, love never quits. What kind of love do you have for people? Does your love quit? See, we live in a world where love quits. We live in a world where people make pledges that they didn't really intend to keep. You start, you start calling people, you know, three weeks later, that was my boo, that was my babe. We down like four flat tires on the leg. We stuck like Chuck. We ain't never going nowhere. We just in it to win it. We just skinning and grinning. There ain't nobody getting between me and back. Three weeks later, that trifling hoe, that skanky, no good. Where's Bay at? What happened to boo? I thought y'all was all that. I, I thought y'all was down for her. What? Oh, love quit. Let me tell you about quitting love. It ain't no love at all. Watch what you say. All these kids talking about on their Facebook profile. I love my friends more than life. If you don't believe me, try it. You said 13 years, I was. Try it. What you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to be cussing that same person out when you're 15 because they're going to steal your boyfriend. Think I don't know. Keep living. Now, that's my best friend. You don't understand. That's my best friend. Buffy would never do me like that. Buffy's trifling. Hope better be in the Lord. 16 things. 16 things that God says love is. It's patient. It's kind. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-centered. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrong. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and it never quits. This is what God says love is. These 16 things. Do you love people like that? I've had so many people in my life tell me how much they love me. Just to quit. So many people in my life tell me that they love me but when push came to shove, they were doing the pushing and the shoving. So many people claimed to love me, but when they didn't get their way, time to go. The type of love God wants us to have in our love for him is an everlasting love. A love that never quits. A love that doesn't get mad. A love that doesn't walk out. A love that endures everything, believes everything, hopes for everything. A love that no matter what everybody else does, we stay focused on Him. The love God wants us to have for each other is the same way. Well, how can you still love that person after they did so and so to you? 
How could you stop loving that person if you ever loved them to begin with? And you knew they were frail and faulty. You knew they weren't perfect to begin with. If the church doesn't learn how to love itself, each person inside it, the world will continue to win. The world will continue to tear apart relationships. The world will continue to tear apart marriages. The world will continue to tear apart friendships. The world will continue to fracture churches, splits, new starts, angry folk, five people having church at their house because they all got mad at the pastor. Four of them going to get mad at whoever's the new leader. It's not love. Love stays. Love always stays. God proved what love is on the cross. God told Jesus, go and show my love to the world. God's plan for Jesus was to suffer, be rejected, be abandoned, to be beaten, spat on, mocked, whipped, scourged, stripped naked, nails driven into his hands and his feet, hung up on a cross for all the world to look at. But he endured it. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What joy did the cross bring? Well, it wasn't the cross that brought joy. It was doing what his father wanted him to do that brought him joy. Every aspect of your life is not always going to be warm and fuzzy. Sometimes hardship is going to be your portion. But if you keep your love on God, if you keep your eyes on God, if you really love him, the way you say you love him, he's going to let you endure it because the God kind of love never quits. I want you to love God like that. I don't want you to let your circumstances sway your love for God. I don't want you to let your ups and your downs sway your love for God. I want you to love God when you got money, and I want you to love God when you're broke. I want you to love God when people talk good about you and when everybody abandons you. I want you to love God when it's going good, and I want you to love God when it's going bad. Well, I'm a faith person, Pastor. I don't ever believe it's going to go bad, and I'm the head and not the tail. Keep being stupid. Read the book. See how all the apostles died. See how all the apostles suffered hardship. But you know what? They held to the truth. They held to the truth. One of the most compelling proofs of the fact that Jesus really did raise himself from the dead is the lives of thousands of believers in the first century that were killed. They were brought before the government because they were saying, I saw Jesus in a resurrected body. He showed himself alive for 40 days after he raised himself from the dead to people all across the region in Galilee. And one time to a crowd of over 500 people. And for centuries, they tried to stomp out Christianity and tried to tell people, stop saying it's true. And under threat of death, they're like, I'm not going to say it didn't happen. It happened, and they killed him. Listen, people will lie to you for self-gain. 
But they wouldn't have lied for what they, they wouldn't have held, they wouldn't have died for what they knew to be a lie. They died for what they knew to be the truth. They loved God with a love that didn't quit. They loved God in the face of all adversity. And we need some old school people to raise up and say, you know what? I'm going to get my eyes off my situation because my load's getting heavier. I'm going to get my eyes off my struggle because my struggle is long. I'm going to get my eyes off my difficulty because my difficulty is daunting. And I'm going to get my eyes on God because I know he loves me and I'm going to love him right back. And I'm not going to love him just for a little bit. I'm going to love him forever. And I'm not going to love him just on good days. I'm going to love him when my heart is breaking and I can't see my way out. See, it's awesome to know that he's a way maker until you can't see the way anymore. It's awesome to know that he's a deliverer until you feel like you're drowning in your own pain and nobody cares. It's awesome to know that he hears us when we pray until you feel like he doesn't. And then life gets hard. But if you really love him, you hold on and you press on. And you say like the hymn writer said, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. I am not going to give up on what I know the truth to be. When everybody was walking out on Jesus, he asked his 12, are y'all going to walk out too? And Peter said, where would we go? And you're the only one. He's still the only one. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go other than Christ. Don't let life change how much you love the Lord. Let how much you love the Lord change your life. Don't let life change the way you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's love each other and change the world around us. Because of everything that's going on in the world, the greatest thing is love. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting, never-failing, unconditional love. God, I pray that you would help us to love you with a love that won't quit. Help us to love you with a love that believes in you no matter what. Help us to love each other, God. Help us to love each other in spite of each other. Help us to love each other when we wrong each other. Help us to love each other when we fail each other. Thank you for never failing us. Please forgive us for always failing you. We want to do better. We want the world to see our love for you. So, God, I pray that you would use us for your glory. Empower us, God, to love you and to love each other so that the world would know that you are the only true God. And besides you, there is no other. Thank you for your show of love on the cross. Thank you for saving us when you didn't have to. Thank you for loving us when you didn't have to. Help us to love you. Help us to honor you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.